Welcome to the Enterprise Excellence Podcast, where our purpose is to help create a better future. Learn from our world's experts how to improve your organization sustainably. Learn how to achieve and sustain an excellence journey for yourself, others, and the planet. And I'm your host, Brad Jevons, coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. We are proudly brought to you in association with SA Partners, a world-leading business transformation consultancy. SA Partners are a truly purposeful company focused on helping organisations achieve sustainable improvement for themselves, others, and the planet. Welcome to episode 44 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. I'm so pleased to have Dr. Morgan Jones on the show with us today to talk about an extremely important skill in leading an excellence journey within an organisation, the skill of facilitation. Morgan Jones is a business transformation expert who has focused his career on studying and helping organisations achieve sustainable results. Morgan is the author of the books, Sponsor Success, 4 Plus One, and the new book, Mastering Facilitation, a guide for assisting teams and achieving great outcomes. Let's get into the episode. Morgan, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you, Brad, for, and thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's such a pleasure. Morgan, what's your backstory? Like, what led you into the field of business transformation? Well, it's, it's a really interesting one. I started off in the Navy, um, both the Royal, first in the Royal Navy and then uh, in the Merchant Navy. And I got involved with some very old ships and we're working in dry docks and trying to make things better and safer. So trying to lead people into following routines and structure, but also how can we make it even better? Mm. Because you had to be able to weaponize, you had to be able to safe and do the right thing. So I got involved very early on. Um, and uh, so that was probably my backstory, but I didn't get involved in Lean and Six Sigma. I studied manufacturing at university. So yeah. I got involved with it at Perkins Engines. Um, that's where I really, uh, really got to, to grips with actually applying it in the real world. Yeah, wow. Well, what, what Navy was that that you were a member of earlier? The, the uh, British Royal Navy. Oh, wow. That's got an impressive yeah. history. And then uh, I got involved in the um, in, in what we call the RFA Royal Fleet Auxiliary, which is refueling. So you carry weapons and fuels for the ship for the fighting ships. So wow. I got involved with those. Ah, well, was there any elements in those early days in the Royal Navy that you saw elements of best practice, lean Six Sigma, in play? Yeah, and it's something I still struggle to see in real life in the business world. Yeah, in the in the forces. Um, you're forever developing your people to be able to step up into your role because you could be, as an officer or as a non-commissioned officer or, you know, have stripes in, in, in the rank-wise, um, if somebody gets injured, um, I could get injured, I need somebody who could step in and still continue the mission. It wasn't about you leading from the front all the time. You were forever developing number of people to step up in your role at any moment in time. Mm. So it was... So you could protect. The other part that really fascinated in the Navy was you had a, a very crystal clear purpose. Yeah. Serve and protect. That is what we were there for. It wasn't the elaborate, you know, 20-word expression from some consulting firm. It's you just you were there to serve and protect. Yeah. And that was it. So you could relate everything you did to is this helping me serve and protect? And it's quite a, a simple, empowering purpose. Mm. Wow, that's strong. And with the history of the Royal Navy too, I'm guessing there was a lot of pride there that you were part of 
such oh, yeah. an organisation, such an entity? Well, it, it, they, were, they called themselves the senior service. It was always competition between the, the army and Navy, and Navy always regarded themselves as the, the senior service. And then, yeah. of course, the Air Force were the young service. Um, so, yeah, it, there's a huge amount of pride because, you know, it was on the back of the, the Royal and uh, Navy that um, in Queen Elizabeth times that built Britain into becoming great, yeah. being rich, because they robbed the French and the Spanish. Yeah, well, it was massive, massive history. And certainly, I guess, a history of, you know, living a purpose and a passion that that Royal Navy had, but also they must have been doing something right. Oh, yeah. But it's also, you know, you, you following standardizing things really important so that if you were under stress, you could still follow and be safe. But also you were always looking to make it even better, safer, mm. faster. How can you be more efficient? Yeah. So. Yeah. And you, you think of that history of the Royal Navy too. It's not like everything was a lay down misere for them. There were some battles that they really had to think outside the square mm. and do things differently to actually succeed. Absolutely. And there's a lot of cultural things about, you know, when you had working class people getting into officer rank, because it was very much hierarchy and um, people of high status got high ranks in the Navy. And then you got mere mortals working their way up who didn't go to private school and things like that. So there was, there's been a lot of cultural change. And then having women, because for, for thousands of years, women were regarded as, um, how would I put this? Um, Unlucky, mm. and yet diversity, and we, we're there now. So it's it's a really interesting cultural change. That was a massive change because you've got thousands of years of history to overcome. Yeah, Even though logically you look at it, there's a whole legacy. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's really challenging the mindset. So that's why I started, and then I got involved in many organisations. Yeah, I know your history of uh, being involved in Lean Six Sigma is really impressive. Like when. Do you, do you mind just naming rapidly through that journey? Because I know, you know, we could talk we could talk the whole episode on that journey. Well, you know, British Rail, um, Caterpillar, well, Perkins Engines, then Caterpillar, uh, worked with uh, New Zealand Post, Kiwi Bank, uh, Courier Post in New Zealand, as well as um, BOC Gases, uh, the Linda Group, uh, CBA Bank, with all the subsidiaries of that. Yeah. Uh, Origin Energy, CS Energy, and now BHP. Yeah, it's a neat. few organizations. You've helped some amazing organizations. Morgan, where through that journey did you really start to get onto the importance of facilitation and the power that sits in this? That's led to this book you've written, this great book, Mastering Facilitation. Um, it's, it's, it's an interesting one because um, when I was at Perkins Engine, who were brought by Cat, Cat Bella, um, I had a, a boss there, and he had a, a research and development team. So, you know, we had a couple of professors. Everybody had doctorates. At the time, I only had a master's degree. <laughs> so I, I was only a mortal in comparison. So you had a whole team of hugely intellectual people. And we had a facilitator facilitate a brainstorming session, and it was chaos. Mm. Uh, my, my manager was away. He came in, and I've never seen... He came in with a, a, a post-it. It, was, it wasn't even a square post-it. It was a scrap of paper torn. And he written, he had four points on there. And I watched him in a three-hour session facilitate and make everybody's opinion valued, whether it was myself against the professor, everybody felt listened to. Mm. They contributed, we debated, and everybody was actually really, really engaged. And I just, I was so 
enamored and watched what he, how he did it. I thought, wow, now that's facilitation. Yeah. And, and he kept everybody back onto, but what, what's the purpose? Yeah, that's a great conversation, but what's the purpose? Why are we here? What are we trying to focus on now? And it was that seeing a really powerful facilitator, and he's the nicest guy you ever met. And he's, I, I have huge, the biggest respect I have for any leader I've ever met. And he was, what was it, a guy called Ken. Wow. And it was just a, amazing. I, 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 it makes me feel warm just thinking about how he did it, even now. And he, but he never, he, he didn't notice, but it's just his way of engaging and keeping everybody focused, but empowered at the same time. It was a really yeah. fascinating uh, piece of work. Wow. So you saw the power of facilitation and how it can engage, empower, and keep people focused. And then I guess it's triggered you because I've seen you in action and facilitation, Morgan, also, and it's, it's extremely impressive. But was that a trigger point for you to go, wow, okay, there's something in this. I need to explore this more. Yeah, because I, I, after watching Ken do that, I got involved initially becoming the Kaizen facilitator because I did it in the Navy, but I, didn't, I wasn't given the structure that we had in here, which is about how do you get all the great minds thinking and leveraging the strengths mm. to get to the right outcome, but everybody feeling and buying into the solution the way you got to. Mm. So, yeah, that's where I saw it, and then that's where it led. And then I was at a company called uh, BOC Gases, and there was a, a C, the CEO there, and he said, oh, Morgan, can you uh, teach, teach my team? Because he just watched me. He used to get me to facilitate all his leadership team, and I used to challenge his thinking and everything. He said, can you teach my, my team to do this? And of course, the reaction, of course I can. And then I went, how do I do that? Because yeah. after a while, I just didn't realize the structure, how you engage, how you ask questions. So having to break it right down into fundamental, into a process, into steps and the skills and understand you've got the skills and how do you continue to mature it? So that's where I got to. Yeah, nice. um, hence where that initial book came from. And it's been, you know, that was written probably about, the draft manuscript was started writing about seven years ago. I just keep building upon it. Yeah, wow. You've done, you've done well. Well, do you mind sharing for our listeners, what are the, core components, the core three, four, five components of that process that you've created and you've refined and developed over the last seven years to accumulate in this book, Mastering Facilitation? There's, there's twofold. Because the book is pitched not only at people who are starting off, but it's also pitched to people who are experienced. And, and there's some, some tips in there of how to become even better. Mm. Um, and, and the thing for me, well, the, the, the first part is the Stephen Covey, start with the end in mind. So if you start with that, with facilitating a session, what is the outcome, the desired outcome out of the session? And get everybody to buy into it. So once you nail that, what does finished or good look like? Mm. And write that up. Make sure everybody's crystal clear. And then that gives you the purpose of the session. Then follow the process. Because it's quite easy uh, to actually get distracted and they'll go running down rabbit holes. Mm. So having that up, thinking about facilitation as a process. So start with the end in mind. Thinking this facilitation is a process, but then, you know, just breaking it down in, into chunks and not sort of being regimented every five minutes what you have to do. These are the key things that we have to cover. And then keep the, the audience ownership and don't try and do everything yourself. So get somebody to help you with a, as a timekeeper, help scribe. But the important thing is when you're the facilitator, you're not the content expert. Mm. And this is an interesting one. So I talk about process, but you also understand your role. Yeah. Your role is not to be the functional expert. You need, if you're going to be a functional expert, you need to be a participant mm. and get somebody else to facilitate. So really understand 
what the role of facilitator is. Mm. And herding cats is about guiding the team to get to the right outcome that everybody buys into. Yeah, wow. So really starting with that end, end in mind, like Stephen Covey has greatly said, having the process and breaking it down into chunks, those chunks you need to cover, but then make sure you're not the expert that you're facilitating which I guess when that comes back a lot to that empowering that you talked about that you saw in that great facilitator years ago. But then if you're, if you're being careful to not be the expert, I guess you're likely to avoid that trap of, of not empowering. Yeah. And that's a a really interesting one about, that's why I call it the process. You think about the role of the facilitator, the process itself, and then you step the end. And when I talk about the end, starting with the end in mind, Mm. and that's the end of the workshop. But there's one step post that, and that's the follow-up to make sure that you may have just written something, it might be a brainstorming, it might be a, a risk matrix or recommendations, but making sure that actually gets done. Mm. Otherwise, it's just a talking session. So it's really to make sure what does good look like in the end in mind. And the end in mind is documenting it and doing something with it. Yeah. yeah. So that's the piece where most people say, oh, yeah, but the facilitation, oh, you, you've written up a flip chart. No, no, it's not finished until... You follow up and go, who's going to take ownership of typing that up? What, who's the actions? When are they going to be done by? And get very specific. What's the action? Who is it assigned to? And what time frame is going to be done by? So that's about the follow-up. Well, that's really what the end in mind looks like, that people are actually doing something as a result of the workshop. Yeah, that would really bring the outcome to life then because you can actually get movement towards that outcome. Yes, yeah, so an outcome isn't an email. An outcome yeah. is the actions document yourself enough time to summarize because sometimes you run out of time no 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 you must lock in 10 minutes 15 minutes to consolidate morgan we've, we've spoken a bit about the start with the outcome and you mentioned how you can write that up make it really big and bold and then how you can link it back to then the actions and follow up going forward what does breaking down then the event into those parts look like the start piece is, is important about getting context and what's the purpose so sometimes you may have a purpose already defined. Sometimes mm. you need to get everybody to buy into that. So it's actually really understanding how much um, challenge is going to be in the mindset of, you know, is this going to be, it's totally new. Nobody knows anything about it. Is it going to be quite confrontational? Mm. So you need to allocate sufficient time to give you, you know, to put the context and start and make sure you've got the data because the power of planning is making sure, do I need data to actually do this? Mm. You know, is there historical reports? Is there data we need to get to? What do we need to understand? So it's actually to actually define how much time in the prep and start could be five minutes. It could be an hour, mm. depending, you know, and then we say, this is what we're, we're aiming for. And what would good look like is a minimum, get everybody to buy into that. Um, you know, and then the during piece is you may have a number of, depending on the outcome, is if it's, if it's, deciding on an option or a solution, well, first of all, you might have to brainstorm. So you think mm-hmm. you have to work out what the tools are going to help you get to the outcome, which is a prioritized solution. Therefore, you need to say, well, how am I going to select the appropriate solution? Work back and go, I can generate the solution. For that, you can actually say, what's the problem? Have I got data? What's the root cause I'm trying to solve? Mm-hmm. And it's actually working back. So it's a, it's a classic master black belt answer. It depends. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, how much time and effort you have to put in. Is it a day? You say, oh, I haven't got enough time for doing half a day. Well, do you want, you know, how much of a robust solution do you want? Mm. And this is where sometimes cutting it short can actually have detrimental effects. 
Mm. Uh, so that's really the whole, you know, it's actually planning. And that's where in the first part of the book section is just giving the basics of what facilitation, what your role as a facilitator, what the process is, and then how to do each of those sections, you know, the start, the prep, the start, the during. Um, and then as I got started to go through this, well, I broke the book down to fundamentally two, two sections. For people who are new to facilitation, and that's things, you know, about what you've had, how to listen. The art of listening mm. is one thing. Um, and that active listening. And the second part is around, well, what's the art of questioning? Mm. And actually teaching people how to ask a question, open, you know, rather than congestioning. So giving a suggestion in the form of a question has been quite closed. Well, you know, that sort of thing. And also how to just handle basic conflict. Mm. There's, some, there's always going to be disagreements. And there's stuff using simple tools like a parking lot. So people can't agree on something. You put it in the parking lot and continue the conversation. Yeah. And so when people have got something, so it allows the emotions to come down. So that's it in there. And I, and I started talking about more of the advanced skills in the book. And I started saying, well, look, look at the group dynamics. If this is a new group, they've come together, or is this a, a regular team? So you need to understand where they are in general dynamics. You know, are they forming norm and storming? Um, and then also understand adult learning. You need to be able to assess your, your audience. Mm. Some people need to know why they're there. Others need to know how's this going to work. You know, what are we, and others will be, uh, what are we doing? And then the last group will go, and so what? What's that mm. mean post this? So you, you've got to understand your audience um, and how they learn. Um, and there's a really interesting tool by David Rock, and it's called the Levels of Focus. You know, when you hear people when they start to talk about stuff, they may be in the drama and detail. Mm. And then, have, then, as I've already talked about using the power of questions, to say, okay, great. But what, you know, they say, oh, it'll never work, it'll never work. But that's a very simple question. If it could work in three months' time, what would that look like? So you lift them right up to a level of, you know, planning and vision. Oh, and it's, it, it, it's it, what it does, it then quiets the brain down, gets the amygdala to quiet down, so you can actually get your prefrontal cortex engaged mm. and, and that sort of thing, especially when doing create, creative uh, thinking. So that's the sort of bit. And then later on, and, and towards the end of the book, um, I've got a, a section on very specifics because you have certain groups, you have general facilitation, but you also have um, executive teams. Totally different. How you, They have strong egos, very smart people. How you facilitate, the, the, the overall process is similar, but how you get them engaged and, and what, what's compelling, there can be a totally different dynamic. Mm. Especially as cultural, if you're working, if you're facilitating in different countries, how much people will challenge and speak against the boss compared to Australia? Mm. They'll be quite happy in Australia. And the other sections in there around how do you facilitate virtually? So we're talking about Zoom now. What yeah. does that look like? Yeah. In, in um, you know when you're facilitating, you're trying to do brainstorming virtually, and then the other part is around. Okay, great, but then how do you facilitate process improvement or you know improvement projects? online because they're different because people you know work dynamic and want to feel and touch stuff is much harder so it's it's a subset of virtual whether you can have physical people in the room where you can go do a gamba or go and see physical it's much harder than if you're just seeing something through a a laptop screen yeah wow um and the one thing i did in the book um which is around, right at the end there's a whole lot of questionnaires and ways of assessing where you are as a facilitator and that's something we'll share with audience. Go to enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash downloads to gain additional insights from the interview discussions with Morgan Jones.
There is also a self-assessment Morgan has kindly provided, which you can download and use to review your current facilitation skills and identify areas to improve. Please like, subscribe and share this podcast to help others gain insights and create a better future. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah. What can I work on individually? And there's also ways of getting feedback from audiences because you can actually say, did you enjoy the course? Yes or no. In that example, if you get the comments, um, great food or food could be better, they're not worried about your facilitation. If they're all worried about the food, you've yeah. done a good job. Yeah. You know, um, so it's a really interesting one. People say, oh, but they didn't tell me how good I was my facilitating you get the answer. Well, they didn't talk about it. They probably didn't even notice they went through a, a good process. Yeah. So it, it's in there. So the reason I wrote the book, is um, so I was challenged by my CEO. He said, "How do how can I get my my leaders, my my uh, general managers, to facilitate the way you do to get outcomes of their teams?" He said, "Because you do it naturally, and I just want I want that engagement. How do I do it? Because you, after a long time doing it, it's practical. You're trying to break it down like Tiger Woods mm. broke down his golf swing mm. into finer. It took me a long time. I was thinking, God, this is hard. You know, do I do this? And asking the question, how do you read an audience?" Well, that, that took me forever to try and work that way in. Yeah. About how, do I, how do I read an audience and how do I know who's going to cause me trouble? Who's going to ask questions? Who's going to be disruptive? Where do I need to stand for conflict management? All of those subtle things, you go, hmm, okay, how do I do that? And, and getting people to observe. And So I had a number of people observe me doing parts of facilitation too. Because I'd say, look, this is what I'm looking at. Can you help me? And they go, oh, well, you did this, 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 and this. And, hmm. Ooh, and he did this, and, and there was also stuff I missed. So it was a really good one to actually get others to observe you and get feedback. The, the interesting thing with it, more like when you just look at the topic of facilitation, you go, okay, in the simplest form, it's getting up and facilitating a conversation. But there's so much to greatness there, especially in what you've just described. You know, you've you've mentioned how you listen, the language you use, the different techniques around engaging leaders versus people reading a room engaging who's in what position the different level of responses you can get from people and how to elevate their thinking with the questions that you ask there's a lot of skill there to be developed and created and you know most of the conversations so far has been about facilitating the group i got involved and i've chaired what 26 international conferences so stand up the front and, it, and that's facilitating. So you've mm-hmm. got to get the audience warmed up. You've got to induce the speaker. You've got to engage them to ask questions. And I was chairing a conference and I had a, a, a talk right at the end, quarter to five on day two of a conference. And they were all finance people. Mm. So, and I'm talking about getting people emotionally engaged. So this is going to be a challenge. So I had to warm the audience up and I just started, I primed it and thought, right, okay, I've got to think differently. So I got the audience and we got everybody, you know, will you wiggle your arms to sort of roll your shoulders, wiggle your hips. And just like everybody wiggling their hips, I'd arrange with the Sandman to start playing Tom Jones. It's not unusual. So I picked up, I had my microphone and I started singing. And I started saying, look, we're going to have karaoke. And you could see the whole audience suddenly go into shock. Yeah. And I threatened, so I said, look, I'll do a deal with you. We won't have any karaoke if you pay attention. Every, anybody who's not paying attention or falls asleep, they're volunteering for karaoke, and your, your person next to you can volunteer you. What do you think? Honey, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess what? I got a great mic because I challenged. It was about trying to engage the audience and going, oh, I do need to engage. I don't want to sing. So it forces them to do something. So it's about 
yeah. rather than, oh, well, I'll just sit there on my mobile phone or my laptop or write notes or just yeah. disengage. Um, and so thinking like that, and I've done others where I've done a theme to a talk. So if I've done a conference to a theme, we had ice creams and things like that. In the end, we gave them an ice cream. So really cemented the thinking. So yeah. in the facilitation piece, it's, 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 work, it's getting a group together to come to a collective outcome. And whether it's a conference or a, or a work environment, you know, it's the same thing. And, and one of the interesting things when the CEO asked me, um, John, uh, John Evans, he said, well, Morgan, I want my team to do this because we have to, we have to facilitate our whole organisation around a purpose and vision. Mm. And I said, what you do when you stand there, you have the weight of, of getting people engaged and get to, to the purpose. And that's what I want people to be able to do. And he said, so he said, I see it as a leadership skill. Now, teach my leaders how to do it. And so, so of course, I'd say, yes, now I'm trying to figure out how we do it. And for me, I think it's a, you know, we're, I'm an introvert, partially, um, you know, but having that skill to stand up and go, the confidence, yes, not everything will be perfect and will always go the way, provided you get people, you respect people due the journey, and then they come to an outcome that everybody can collectively um, agree to, that's great. Mm. Yeah, you've you've achieved. And I can really understand more in this conversation where we're talking about starting with that outcome and really being clear on the outcome you need. But then I guess really understanding the current state of your audience and where they're at, which you described very well at that conference you're at where you went down the path of Tom Jones to at that time of day. That's impressive. And then I guess it's like you've said, it's then a lot of the skills and capability within that, you know, around listening, questioning, uh, tailoring yourself, and then having that final commitment to follow up an action. Yeah. And I suppose if we talk about the Shingo model, um, mm. one of the foundations is lead with humility. Am I a good singer? No. Was I, was I afraid to make a fool of myself? No. Yeah. Guess what? I got every, and that's the thing, the, the audience knew I was ever going to be on Australia Got Talent, yeah. but he went, oh, okay. This guy's willing to, to make a fool of himself. Let's, let's give him a chance. And, you know, because I was authentic. And that mm-hmm. was the important thing as a facilitator. They know if you're playing a process and playing a game. If you're authentic, go, I really just don't get this. Can somebody help me? Mm-hmm. You know, and they go, hmm. you know, you can use a naive inquirer, but they can tell if you believe it. You know, so it, it, the authenticity is quite a powerful um, skill and capability for, for, you know, and I talk about attributes in the book. I talk, I go into what these attributes look like for facilitators and how you personally can grow those. Yeah. I can really hear too, Morgan, the, the opposite of authenticity and vulnerability and humility is those words you've used earlier too, with it, which is you're, you're trying to come across to be the expert or you're being arrogant or you're coming across as being a know-it-all and, um, you can see how that would really kill the empowerment and the engagement of many audiences around the Ooh. world. Yeah, and, and using coloured pens. It can be everything. Where you have, I used to get pens where they have multicolours and they all smell differently. That's mm. amazing. You know, people go, oh, I'll try that one. And it gets them, well, I'll try a different colour. So you have engineers using pink. Yeah. You know, whereas you've got a group of marketing and salespeople, they're happy to use all the beiges and pinks and whatever. Engineers, blue, black. Ooh, red. And that's it's getting them out of the comfort zone to start to get the personalities and go. Well, okay, ten were kids, you know. 
children don't have the um, constraints that it can't happen. So mm. I suppose that the other part about facilitation, for me, you also play a little bit of a role as a coach. Mm. You are a facilitator, but you're also coaching them to get to, a, to an end point. And you can actually be more overt and direct questions. And sometimes it can be subtle. Brad, what do you think? And, uh, you know, it's a subtle, it's a facilitation technique, but it's also coaching. Because you know you're thinking, and I, you haven't heard anything of you, so you may be a plant person who likes to mull over for ages. Then I'll draw it out of you. Okay, great. So that's about reading the audience and understanding there's different personalities, but not letting people sleep yeah. or hide in the corner. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you in any audience, you're going to have a wide range of personalities that you need to understand yeah. and engage. Yeah. Well, what does great facilitation give you as a result versus poor facilitation? What would you say the outcomes are of good facilitation? Right. I'll give you it from two different angles. I'll give you it from the facilitator's angle. You're quite drained because you, you put a lot of energy and passion into it. And, you know, so you're quite tired. Mm. And you feel energized. You feel like you've actually helped people. God, I'm tired, but wow, look where they've got to. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, and all I did was just guide them. They did it. And that's the thing. So what does great look like? Quite often they don't realize they've been subject to a really rigorous and to really strong techniques and processes behind. Yeah. They feel, oh, yeah, this is a, God, that, why did it take us so long to get, you know, why didn't we decide this earlier? So when they actually don't realize they've gone through a, a formal facilitation process, that is what good looks like. Yeah. Because it, it means it's all you've done is gently nudge and coach and guide people. Mm. You know, so when you're talking, so what are somebody getting up and writing down and taking ownership, and that's then you know what, what good looks like. Mm. Arms crossed. Is not what good looks like. Yeah. You know, people being animated and, yeah, yeah, oh, can we do this? We need to dig down. And they're coming up with ideas, what's the next steps? Wow. And you have a problem, oh, we've got too many actions here. What are we going to do? So that's when you know what success looks like, when the people totally buy into what they have decided. Because it's yeah. their solution. So the outcome is really a, a tired facilitator who's feeling quite good and energized at the same time. And it's a group of people who have been facilitated who own the outcome and are energized to make that outcome happen. And, and don't realize they've been through a process. Yeah. Neat. That's, that sounds like perfection to me or close to it. That's brilliant. Morgan, for our listeners, we're running a series of two minute tips also, you know, for people who don't have the time to watch the whole episode or listen to the whole episode, but what would be your two minute tip on this area of facilitation and excellence that you would give to our listeners? Uh, first tip is start with the end in mind and don't try to be perfect. Probably the most important thing is we're all humans and you may ask a question or you might guide it may not work. Just your role is not to lead them. It's yours to facilitate and guide them. They choose the direction because you've already clearly defined what the purpose is. So start with you know, the end in mind. What is the purpose and what does good look like? You asked me a really good question, what does good look like? But in, in, in different situations, we'll be different. People have, have taken away actions or, you know, they've, they've got some ideas that they can apply back to their own teams. Um, essentially, don't try to be perfect or be the expert in, in the um, subject matter. So 
So that's the other bit. Be kind in yourself as a facilitator. Mm. Yeah, it sounds Because some audiences are difficult, and that's okay. Don't beat yourself up. So those are my tips. Yeah. Thank you, Morgan. Really appreciate it. Morgan, what, what's been something you've learned recently in your area of expertise that's been an insight for you? What's been a new, new, new learning you've had? Um, one of the things that they introduced, um, I've seen it um, BHP, I have feedback sessions, but it's actually formalizing what you've done well. It's actually a structure. How well did you engage the audience? And actually having a whole structure to assess your performance and, you know, the bit I went, oh, it's going to be weird, because I asked people who were fairly inexperienced to assess me. And mm-hmm. like, hmm. so it, it challenges you a bit of an ego thing. Oh, my God, I should be perfect. That's no, okay. Change your mindset and going, help me learn. How can I get better? So when I went in that mindset, it became so much easier to receive feedback to get better. Yeah, that's it's, amazing. It's like that constant reflection and learning, Morgan, I guess. Also, too, but I'd assume that those people having to ask the questions are learning, too, because you're making them think, just like you, you said, make the audience you're facilitating think. Well, by asking them to do that, they're having to think, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. So they're usually quite tired, but they're energized. Yeah, it's neat. Morgan, well, I, I really appreciate the knowledge, and thank you for writing such an amazing book on a topic that is so truly needed. Morgan, how can people reach out to you if they want to connect and learn more? Go on to LinkedIn. Um, because obviously I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and, you know, so more than happy if they've got any questions on facilitation or want to get help. The book is obviously available on Amazon and all good online bookshops. But the one point I'd like to make, though, is uh, all the, all the uh, profits from that book go to uh, Red Kite. Now, Red Kite's a charity in Australia that supports babies and toddlers with cancer and their families. Mm. So for me, yeah, you ask me, why did I write the book? Well, part is to help, you know, to, to, to really answer that challenge from a CEO. But more importantly, how can I use the experience and knowledge I've, I've gained to help others? Yeah. And so this is a, it, rather than me dressing up in Lycra and going on a bicycle and doing a sponsored ride, actually, this is a passive way you know, to help others for me one of the two core leadership capabilities they need to have is facilitation and the other is coaching mm. so I've got, i'm doing some work in, in, in writing a book on coaching as well yeah. but it's not about facilitation and i do separate them it's the ability to get you know as you move up an organization the ability to inspire people so one of the best speakers I've seen in, in public life, in, in, in organizations, was a finance director. Oh, wow. You, know? you think finance is boring. But he was really, really, he was, he was energized and loved up there. You met him in the office, he was boring, he was very quiet. Got him up on stage, it was like he had a personality transplant. He was fantastically engaging. And that's the bit, you're going, guys, we have to be leaders. We have to inspire people with our purpose. Because mm. if, you know, they're not just say, oh, you've got to, you know, this is our purpose. They, they, they want to be inspired because remember, we can't motivate anybody. What we can do is inspire people to be motivated. Yeah. And yeah. that's the piece around why I think facilitation is a really core management technique. You remember to do that in the beginning. Yeah, that's very purposeful. You're truly helping us create a better future ourselves through the knowledge and sharing, but then also helping many children through the good work that Red Kite do. Thank you so much for that, Morgan. I really appreciate it. 
We'll look forward to getting you back on with future books to come. I know there'll be many more to come. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. Cheers, Mom. Bye for now. What a great episode. Go to enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash downloads to gain additional insights from the interview discussions with Morgan Jones. There is also a self-assessment Morgan has kindly provided, which you can download and use to review your current facilitation skills and identify areas to improve. Please like, subscribe, and share this podcast to help others gain insights and create a better future. The two key takeaways for me from this episode were, one, start with the outcome in mind and why. Two, plan the approach with your audience in mind. The first key takeaway, starting with the outcome in mind and purpose of the event when facilitating, helps you align the audience and yourself. It builds motivation and clarity from the beginning. As Morgan mentioned, make the outcome and purpose large and visible for yourself and the audience. This will help you keep the team focused on the outcome and purpose, allowing you to bring it back into focus as needed throughout the facilitation. The second key takeaway, planning the approach with the audience in mind allows you to tailor the steps and approach you will take to ultimately achieve the outcome in mind. Looking at the time of day you are facilitating, generalizing based on the audience and objective, will help you create a better event. This will enable you to tailor your steps, language, and the facilitation tools and techniques used to create great outcomes for all involved. Thanks again, Morgan, for everything you are doing to help us create a better future. Talk soon. Bye for now.